What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Sean and I have a Monday rundown here for you on a, yeah, it's Thursday. Uh, We talked a little bit of MLB, some NBA, recapping the playing games, and then some golf. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, and we will be back soon with an NFL draft preview. Enjoy, guys. place a bet with you at this time last week for Scotty Scheffler. I'm just going to say that. Hell of a call, man. Hell of a call. And only one round in, I think that I think that's deserving of a, of a good call nod. He he had a great week, even with the, the four putt on, on the last hole. I mean, the guy was in complete control of his game and every single asset and every single facet, excuse me, and I mean, he just owned that course. Uh, it was his show. He's been the best player in golf, clearly the number one ranked player in the world, and he's won four times now in like 60-something days, which is a two-month span. Incredible. The only other person I feel like we've ever seen do that is probably Jack, and then, of course, the big cat himself. Of course. Well, we're going to talk Masters later and and dive a little bit deeper into how Scotty Scheffler did this and, and Tiger's run and just the way he gutted it out, but... Tom, I want to start with the NBA because we are on the playoffs. And and not only that, but we have two possible eight seeds, you know, running it up in, on Friday night. And I think we need to talk about what's already been solidified and what we have on tap. So let's start with the Eastern Conference and my Brooklyn Nets. They handle business against the Cap the Cleveland Cavaliers. I didn't think it was a great performance by them, but they handled their business and they're going to host or they're going to face Boston. I should say in Boston starting Sunday. Yeah, this is Boston's worst nightmare. Um, you know, we, we said on our pod last week, obviously not the full MLB one, but the one before that, that, um, Boston was looking to try and avoid Brooklyn in the first round. Oh, by sitting by sitting basically all their starters except Derek White. But then Milwaukee turned around and laid an egg against them and said, no, 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 they were passing Brooklyn back and forth, and Boston ended up with the short straw. And it's going to be a really interesting series, especially if Kyrie Irving can play basketball the way he has. So how do you see the series going, my man? I mean, you're you're kind of the NBA guy, and you're, you're the one that doesn't have a, a, a horse in the race. So right now I'm just going to predict – Boston and six. How do you see the series going? I think that's that's a good call out of you, but I also think it's a cop out and a reverse jinx, which I of totally understand. Do. I would do I don't the same think, thing. I, with I'm my not Knicks. saying that it's. I'm not saying that it is. Like I'm literally not using any of that. But Kevin Durant's on the team, right? Yeah, he's still on the team. Kyrie Irving's uh-huh. still on the team. Uh-huh. Kyrie Irving was. 
I mean, there was there was a couple. I saw some sports talking head shows today, and um, what's his name? The old uh, Barry. Is it Barry? Um, no, not Brent Barry. The other one. The other guy on ESPN that always does that always does the uh, basketball. Um, the white guy shooter was saying that Kyrie Irving is the best offensive player in the NBA, and he's not far off. I think Kyrie Irving in this kind of form, and the Nets are going to take it in six. And the only reason Tim why Legler? I'm not saying you're talking about Tim, Tim Legler? legs. There you go. Okay. Um, and the only reason why I'm not saying they're going to take it in five is because I think Jason Tatum has gotten up to that next level. I mean, I think he has. I. It's not even a knock on Brooklyn, man. Like. Boston's been the best team in the East and potentially the league for the last three months. And nobody's agree, giving them their I'm credit. Not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Kevin Durant isn't going to carry a team to a first-round series. I know they fucked around and they were dwindling away in, what, eighth, ninth place the entire season, but this is the playoffs time, man. Kevin Durant's going to play play all the minutes that's needed and I'm not too worried about it. You got Ben Simmons coming back, possibly game four. Whether or not that happens, it doesn't matter. If Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are on the floor together, give me them in six. That's how I feel, personally. Okay, so I have Boston in six. You have Brooklyn in six. What's more the elephant in the room? The potential Ben Simmons return in games four, five, or six? Or the potential Robert Williams return in whatever game because they haven't put a label on it. I think Robert Williams, I, I I don't know, elephant in the room, I don't know what you mean by that, but, like, for me, the more important return is obviously Robert Williams. You saw how the Celtics played with Robert Williams and without him. I mean, PER is kind of a bullshit stat when it comes to this, but he had some of the highest in the league. But, again, he has turned into an incredible defensive player on and off the ball. He can knock down even a three every once in a while, and he's a great rim runner. And you saw what the Celtics were without him. The Brooklyn Nets have never had Ben Simmons, and they've still figured out a way to get over the top into the playoffs. And they have two of the best offensive players, one of all time and one in the league right now, probably of all time as well. They haven't had Ben Simmons yet. He'll be a nice asset, a nice add, but I think the Celtics need Robert Williams more. I'm not going to disagree with you. That's why I asked you. Like, I, truthfully, like, why is Ben Simmons even a thing? Like, he hasn't played a second Dude, with the But Nets. the thing is, like, and and they've said he's going to come back here and he's going to come back then. And is this more just media fodder and trying to throw the Celtics off the scent and get their focus off even for a split second? Because, you know what, if he plays, if he doesn't play, I really don't feel as if it's that meaningful right now. I think this is more important for the 2023 season and beyond. I agree with you. This this has not been a thing all year, Tom. So no. why is it a thing now? So, I think, like, honestly, I think they're just even trying Durant to, and Nash have splashed cold water on it, dude. I, I think they're, they're not... just trying to – somebody in that organization is just trying to throw the Boston Celtics off the scent. Yeah, and, and who knows? Maybe Boston's doing the same with saying that Williams is coming back. But at least we know Williams plays with Boston, and we know that he has a very integral role in what they do defensively and even offensively now at this stage in his career. Ben Simmons hasn't played his second for the Nets, so why are they harping on, oh, he's going to come back in games four, possibly five, I think, possibly I think, six? Who cares? I think for... 
I don't know if you personally feel this way or you're just asking me because it's a headline, but I think this is more just media fodder and something to fill some time slots with and talk about. I think within the Nets building, they're going on without Ben Simmons and they're keeping it rolling with the team that they got and they're not even concerned about it. I'm asking you because it's a headline because it's something that, if it is true, might impact not only this series, but if the Nets go on to win, it could impact the rest of the entire Eastern Conference playoffs. No, I, I agree so with you, but I'm, that's why I'm bringing it up. I'm telling you, to uh, from from a Nets fan's prism or or point of view, don't even worry about this shit. If he comes back, it's gravy. If he affects the playoffs in a positive way. That's amazing. Maybe the Nets could go to the NBA Finals and even win a championship if he's the player that he was last regular season leading up into the series against Atlanta. If not, then he's not going to play that big of a role and enjoy him next for the next three years if he plays. Absolutely, and that's the whole point, right? Like, like as I was trying to say earlier, Nash splashed cold water on it. Durant splashed cold water on it. He he's not a thought in their mind until he actually steps on the court in an NBA game where the stakes matter. Until then, it's all potential fodder, as you said. It's all potential posturing as far as, hey, you don't know what our rotation is going to look like. And who knows if Boston's doing the same thing. The only thing I know is that Boston actually knows what their team looks like with Robert Williams. The Nets have no idea what their team looks like with Ben Simmons. And that was my point. Yeah, exactly. And I think Robert Williams, as to both our points, matters a hell of a lot more to the Celtics than Ben Simmons does to the Nets right now. Ben Simmons, if he comes back and gives them anything positive, is just gravy. Couldn't agree with you more. And we'll see what ends up happening. Um, At least the series this year, it's starting in Boston. You know, you throw last year away, the teams are completely different. The Nets' lead assistant last year in Mayoduka is the current head coach of Boston. So there's nothing you can even compare last year's first-round series to this year's first-round series, and we'll see what happens. Uh, It should be a good one, though, and I'm happy Brooklyn got out of that seed. Uh, Tom, Atlanta killed Charlotte last night. I don't know what you took away from this game other than Bridges kind of going ape shit and throwing his mouthpiece into the stands, but... We didn't talk about what this play-in was going to be leading up into it, but I had a pretty good feeling about Atlanta, and they served me right. How do you feel about them facing Cleveland tomorrow? I think they're going to be Cleveland. I think Cleveland had a really hot start. They continued it a little bit after the All-Star break, and then they started to taper off as young teams do. Um, this Atlanta team went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They they were unhealthy at the beginning of the year, and they got off to a lot of sputters. But Trey Young is going to drop 30, and they're going to be just fine, and they're going to be on to the real playoffs. I agree with you. I don't think even if Jared Allen plays tomorrow, he said he's 50-50. I think it's more of like a, hey, our season's on the line, and I'm going to really, really try it if I can. If he's not ready to go, his interior presence doesn't really matter. And I really like Atlanta. I God bless Miami, bro, because if they get Atlanta, that series is not going to be easy. Not at all. That one might might go seven. That's That Atlanta team is different in the playoffs. They are a tough, tough team. They love that. Especially they when they move. too, man. Yeah, especially when they move Bogdanovich into the second unit as a guy who can run things and, and can beat any other second unit player. I mean, they've really taken off ever since he moved into that number two unit. 
I hate them not having Collins. I think he's a huge X factor, particularly as a matchup nightmare against a team like Miami, but that's okay. Like you mentioned Bogdanovich, he, he does what he does. And Trey loves that big stage. He got a taste of it last year all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll see what happens. But if you and I agree on Atlanta and they and they move up, shit, man, Miami better be – they better be on lookout because this is a really weird year and the East is really deep. And how much better is the one than the eight, the two than the seven, the three and the six? I have no idea. No. And finally, the Eastern Conference seems to have reclaimed power from the Western Conference. At least it's for this about year. goddamn time. Yeah. No, this year it's not even close. It's not even a conversation. Speaking of the West, Tom, in our first game, two nights ago we had Minnesota and Pat Bev's redemption tour against the L.A. Clippers, and he won, and he did not hold back. What did you take from this game? I think the better team won. Um, I mean, Paul George coming back off that injury is just incredible, but – Minnesota seemed ready. The Ant Man played well. Carl Anthony Towns. I know he fouled out, but uh, I mean, I he think was he, awful. Yeah, he, he was, was awful. But you know what? He's got another chance. Good. He's got another chance I hope at he life. plays better. Me too. I hope he plays better. Listen, man, it was it was a I really bad more. performance by him, and I really wanted him to do well. Um, it wasn't his shining moment, but no. his another, team won. Another, that's okay. He's got another kick at the can. Good. And and Pat Bev, you know, he got his win. And Ant-Man, like you said, played a great game. And my old boy, D'Angelo Russell, I think put up 29. And he has his bad games. He has his good game. Lucky for him, it was a good game. What did you take out of the Pelicans last night winning their game? I mean, Ingram really stepped up. CJ did his thing. But I think we could have expected that. He's been a pretty good playoff performer behind Dame. Ingram really stepped the fuck up. But I think right, the so Spurs how, were overmatched. Agreed with you totally. I mean, New Orleans is the better team. And I'm sure you really love seeing Zion do his 360 dunk in a time that didn't matter. If I was Zion, I would warm up and do whatever you're going to do in your workouts, either in the practice gym or or before anybody shows up. Because I, I don't know what that's doing for you, aside from people saying, why aren't you playing? But yeah, Zion, Zion should not be doing any warm-ups in front of any cameras. I thought the thing he did to plug his new Nike sneaker was dumb as well. I don't remember if he went in between the legs or whatever. I don't even remember if we talked about that. Zion should just not be doing anything athletically to where people can see it just because it's like, why aren't you playing? This has been dragged out much too long. And then obviously the questions of does he want to be there and everything come up. And it's just shit that you you don't want to deal with. And your team that's making – their possibly their first playoff, ex, you know, entrance in a few years, especially with this new regime, just should not have to deal with the questions. Tom, I like to pride myself as a historian. Uh, I was my first major in college. Um, I like to reference past situations, past players, past team environments and whatnot. I really can't recall a time in which a player was drafted first, second, third, and has fallen out of place from their last year in college to this. Obviously, Zion only played one year at Duke, but this is insane to me. Like, I what does he fetch in a trade? I mean, I know you're not an executive. As of this time, we're not talking to executives. That will change at some point, uh, hopefully. 
But, dude, where, in your opinion, where does this land him? Because is he going to actually sign an extension? And not only that, is New Orleans actually going to offer it to him? I have no idea what is going on with this guy. This has been the most enigmatic superstar, quote-unquote, that we've seen. He has not done anything. It's one of the most interesting juxtapositions in history because obviously if Zion's healthy, he could fetch on the open market. I don't know what the scale would be, but whatever his version of the max is from any team in the league. But again, it's like for me, dude, you haven't played in a year and a half. You were hurt your first season. You had a strong second season, but – like, are you really not going to take that guaranteed money and, and bet on yourself when, who knows, you could get hurt again? It's not like he's been healthy the entire time. Can I ask you a question that might hit a little too close to home? Yeah. Where does ahead. he stack up with Porzingis? Because <laughs> Porzingis never signed his second. He never signed his extension. And Dallas took it on in a trade. Yeah. But I think Porzingis accomplished a lot more in his Knicks than than Zion has in his New Orleans stint. I agree with you. I mean, Porzingis was in, you know, very distant MVP talks, made an all-star team before he tore that ACL. I, you know, I don't know if it's going to come to that. I think Zion is just a much more popular player and a better asset. I don't know if, I don't really know what the market is for him. That's what's interesting because it's like, obviously the Pelicans are going to expect crazy, crazy value for him given his namesake and, and his potential, but are other teams going to be willing to pay that with the injury risk and also with his quick to be unhappiness, I guess. It's, it, it's in my eyes, uh, an untenable situation. I don't know how either side really rectifies this. Like obviously new Orleans, you know, the caveat with them is they're fighting for their location. I'm sure the NBA would love to relocate them to a place like Seattle or Las Vegas, but as long as New Orleans is the destination, and obviously we just talked about them being a play-in team, and, you know, they won their play-in game. So if they get to the postseason, that's a lot of revenue coming in right there, at least from two guaranteed home games. Tom, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, my my guess is that Zion's future is not very long in New Orleans, but the whole situation is very weird to me. Extremely weird, and I think you used a perfect word for it, and that's untenable. And I think Griffin's just got to go ahead and trade him for the betterment of the franchise, whether or not they stay in New Orleans or relocate. I don't think. How Zion... do you trade that though, real fast? How how do you trade that? Like, what is the because you're going to have to sell it to your fan base, and whether we agree or not that organizational it's moves get, and player personnel moves are done for the franchise, Tom, they're done for the fan base. So how how do you how do you do this? I think the only way you're going to do it is if you're honest with the fans, and I think I don't think it's going to become Ben Simmons ugly, but it's going to get ugly. I think it's going to get to the point where you just going to, David Griffin's going to have to be honest with them and say, listen, this guy. He has not given us any inclination that he wants to come back. As a matter of fact, he's act the exact acted the exact opposite at every single chance that he's had. It's crazy, and it's like <laughs> it's like I can either trade him now and get some assets for him, or we can lose him for nothing, and then you guys can just boo him, and that's the only thing you'll get out of it. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, or the second that he starts playing well is now the fire sale is on, right? And, yeah. And finally, we can get what is justified for him because I have no idea what his value is now. I mean, is a team like the Knicks going to say, like, yeah, we'll give you Obi Toppin, Julius Randle, and two firsts? Like, do, do, the, do, do, do the Pelicans want that deal? I have no idea. Like, I don't know what they want in return, and I don't know what they'll settle for, and I don't know how much of an arms race this is going to be if, if Zion just says, like, no, fuck you, I'm not playing for you. You can give me whatever you want. I'm not playing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and to be honest, I think it's going to get to the point where the I think the Pelicans are just not going to offer it to him because I, I think Zion signs it and, and still tries to force his way out of town. I think he takes. I mean, that's what the that's what the modern superstar has shown, right? That's what the modern superstar has said, but he, and shown. But shit, man, even Ben Simmons has done a lot more. I than, agree with you, but Zion Williamson. with with the way the NBA is right now, I totally agree with you. But can you be surprised if Zion? No, I can't. If the extension was offered, he would sign it, and then it would be completely the same. In my opinion, I can't say I'm surprised. Or you know because what? It, it would be, be good. The next, it, would, it would be go good ahead. for six months, a year, and then it would just run right back to where it is. It would just be the next layer in this player empowerment where it's like, wow, Ben Simmons could fetch what he did when he wasn't even playing and and giving up $20 million a year because he was upset that his coach and his other best player said that they're not sure he can beat the point guard of a championship team. Now you have Zion, who's played, what, 82 career games, 81 career games. Yep. Is saying that he's he's not going to sign an extension and, and demand that basically he holds the New Orleans Pelicans hostage. Like, my dear God, like if that happens, Tom, I don't know what the NBA is anymore. And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. Maybe it's neither. But if that happens, the, we are seeing literally now like anything can anything is possible, including oh, a Westbrook trade for no for no reason. <laughs> wow. We know why that Westbrook trade is going to happen. But 20 years from now, we may just have run it back, draft every year, or everybody's free agents, here's your cap. Yeah, not a bad idea. I mean, I'm sure there were people screaming in the early 80s when Elway forced his way out of Baltimore at the time, Colts, and and got his way to Denver. And people were like, oh, my God, we're never going to come back from this. And Eli forcing his way out of San Diego to the Giants. Like, we've seen this. In, in the NFL before, and we're starting to see much more NFL player empowerment, but in the midst of contracts or, or players who haven't done shit, not sign rookie extensions and hold the franchise hostage from, you know, restricted free agency to get to where they want to be like, wow, that would be a, that would be a seismic shift in a very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? He's got the name and, and there's not a lot of players that could pull it off, but he might be able to do it just based off his name. I mean, because he hasn't really done much else. I agree with you. Yeah, the name and and the and the pedigree at Duke and, and, the, and I the, think potential. Just the potential. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Beautiful jinx right there. All right, Tom. Um, Eastern Conference. We know what some of the matchups are. Obviously, now we have um, Miami's waiting the eight seed, but we've got Boston and Brooklyn. We have. We already uh, predicted uh, that. Yep, we did. Um, 
obviously we have I think is probably the sexiest setup here is this Philly Toronto series. Um, we have others, but I, th- I think that's the most interesting to me, be- just simply because the Harden. Toronto doesn't really have anything to play for, and if and if God forbid Philly loses this series, like the sliding doors that could happen. So, what are your thoughts? I completely agree, uh, t- but Toronto. The thing is, w- Toronto's that scary team where it's like, yeah, they don't have anything to play for, but they will play like they have everything to play for, just given the players on that team and the head coach. Um, I don't think Philly loses this series because I don't think Embiid lets them lose this series the way mm-hmm. he's been playing. But I could see a couple games where you raise an eyebrow at James Harden's play. I mean, or lack did, you Jalen Ro- did you hear what Jalen Rose said the other day about James Harden's stats? Yeah, he said that they are concert they date like, sets. Yeah, concert. <laughs> I was actually, <laughs> I was actually watching the whatever that show is, the Jump or something like that, the pregame show. Yeah, and he called them concert date sets. I mean, he's not wrong. They're they're terrible. No, they're awful. And you know, I think we, I they, think the James Harden meltdown is going to be closer to round two. I think Embiid single handedly carries this team to a to a round one victory. It's not a bad take. I mean, I would probably agree with you. There is the caveat, though, of if they don't handle business at home, Matisse Thybul, who's unvaccinated, has to go play in Toronto, mm. and he's not. And he's not going to be able to play in Toronto. That's the whole thing. Yeah. So Philly's going to be down one of the best defensive players in the league, and somebody who, especially with the loss of Seth Curry, is taking on a more important role offensively. We already know they're not deep offensively, Tom. Yeah. So this is a big loss for them. And, and if Toronto's able to split the first two games in Philly, man, this could be a tough – this could be a really tough James Harden test early in the postseason. Yeah, my my goal for Toronto would just be for the guards to attack and then for Siakam and anybody else that can play inside – just do the best you can to get Embiid into foul trouble because the more minutes played DeAndre Jordan has in this series, the better of a chance you have of somehow having one of the bigger, bigger, crazier, more upsetting upsets in recent league history. <laughs> Upsetting upsets. No, I agree with you. Um, you agree that no matter who Miami faces, they're going to take care of business in round one, right? Yeah, I mean, it's either Atlanta or um, Cleveland. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I think Atlanta could make it a series, but I think Miami is just poised to at least get to the second round. Yeah, I think that this is setting up for Milwaukee as the three. I, I still will take my or Milwaukee rather to to represent the East. I I just don't see anything that changes my mind really. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think I I think I've been right there with you as well. Yep. I I, I listen, the only thing is, really is the only thing mm-hmm. is Brooklyn, man, and I'm not doing this to to gas you up to knock you back down. It's just I I know just you're not. You've had believer. 2 years to do this. You're you're broken down. You're doing this pragmatically and I appreciate it. I'm just a heavy believer in Kevin Durant, bro. I really am. Kevin If you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, there's no reason to bet against him. Mm-hmm. My question is the rest of the team. I mean, the two combined for 68 points the other night. 
Yeah, where you're getting the rest, they basically. Still, and they both had to play like 42 or 45 minutes, right? Like you, you can't do that every game. And and Bruce Brown in that game had 18 and like nine. So yeah, you're not going to see that every game. That's for you're sure. You're not going to see that every game. And Drummond also, I think, had like 19 and 12. So, and Claxton had a big game. Like those are guys that you're not going to get big time performances, especially if Aldridge is out of the rotation. You don't have a center who's just going to knock down buckets. Um, so I have no idea what they're going to be. And I think that's the biggest question is like, is Kirk Curry's obviously not healthy. He's been dealing with this ankle injury and he's going to give it his best, but you're asking him to go four rounds or at least three to get to the finals. Like, I just don't see it, man. No matter how good Kyrie and KD are, I understand why you can't give up on them, but I also don't understand why you can just bet on them, especially with a team like Boston in, in round one, who's, been the best team in the league for the last three months and and milwaukee has had their number anyway and they're the defending champs yeah and that's something you just can't you can't take for granted at all you can't no you can't let's shift over to the west tom uh how do you see this playoff bracket shaping up because you know golden state's kind of that dark horse we've agreed that we shit on utah utah sucks they're not doing anything (laughs) yeah denver they're they're also kind of lurking just simply because of the Joker. But how do you see this Western Conference bracket shaping up? Uh, obviously, we're looking at a team like Phoenix being one of the best team, best regular season teams of all time. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm why well, change my prediction now? Phoenix is going to win the finals, so they're obviously going to the finals. Um, I, I think that they're probably going to face off against your boys in Memphis. I think that's mm-hmm. the way it's going to go and. I think the one and two are so far superior to three through eight. Um, whoever gets in there, you know, I, I I really do. Can I ask you a question about Memphis? Because obviously they are my boys and they are my pick. Are they too deep come playoff time when Ross, when, when rotations kind of shorten up a bit? It's an interesting question. It could happen to where the first two games, their head coach is just trying to figure out who were his true guys because he's had so many throughout the throughout the regular season. I mean, you could be right on that. I, I think they run it out there with, you know, Triple J, obviously Ja. Um, is Dylan Brooks healthy? He's healthy and he's playing. So Brooks will probably be in there. And then maybe Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain. Um, and Adams. And Adams is going to be your anchor and your protector there. And then two or three guys off the bench, who might you think that be? And then I think the rotation's going to tighten up to that. It, 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 I'm nervous about my pick. I'm not going to lie to you because of that rotation shrinkage, but I still just love the fact that, God, man, if somebody does get into trouble, you have a guy like Kyle Anderson who's yep. just going to come off the bench and possibly go nuclear. Him and, you know, if John Morant gets into foul trouble or whatever, you got Melton and you got Culver there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this, you know, the depth can help and it can hurt you. I I, I think it's going to help him, honestly. I might go the other way. Because, What's your highest? You oh, say? no, go ahead. No, just go ahead. Finish your, finish your thought no, on that. No, I just think, I think the depth is going to end up helping him because I think when, it, when shit gets tight and if Ja or – you know, Triple J, who's one of the most – it should be in Defensive Player of the Year conversations and one of the most versatile defenders in the league, has 
players, you know, like Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson backing him up. I, I think that's going to be quite an advantage. But go ahead with your question. Oh, no, I was going to ask you, what's the highest floor, lowest – highest floor, highest ceiling team where it's like – or lowest floor, highest ceiling team where you wouldn't be surprised if a team finished or is like, okay, they're out round one, but also I'd have no shock if they were in the Western Conference Final. Dallas Outside Mavericks. of Phoenix, which we agree. Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks. Okay, talk, talk about the Mavericks. Well, you, well, the, the, I'm answering that question because you you asked me the the lowest floor, highest ceiling. Phoenix, I don't think they have the lowest floor. I think they no, they be, they don't count. They don't yes. count outside of Phoenix is what what my question was finished up with. So well, I, I think I think Memphis is going to be at least a second round team. The Mavericks for me could, especially with this Luca calf thingy, whatever it is. I think it's a calf strain, right? Calf um, strain. Yep. Especially with that. I wouldn't be surprised if they went out in the first round, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they weathered the storm in the first two games that he he's definitely not playing the first and he might not play the second. If they weather the storm because of their other guards and they somehow find their way with a somewhat healthier Luka to the, the conference finals. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really clicking on all cylinders and watching him go down with that calf injury in the last game of the regular season was just like soul crushing, right? Like, yeah. And the other, like, Oh, come on, man. That's for the, for the Western conference. That's my pick. And then for the Eastern conference, it's the Celtics just because they play your Brooklyn nets. I would, yep. I picked them to, I picked the nets to beat them. So I obviously expect them to lose, but if they win, they could go all the way to the finals. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I didn't ask you the Eastern. I'm, I'm glad you jumped on that because I, I couldn't agree with you more about Boston. If they beat the Nets, they're they're in the East Finals. I don't see any other predicament for them. There's no, no way they were Their round toughest two. test is in the first round. There's no question about it. And we knew that was coming with whomever played Brooklyn. You know, even if they finished it in the eighth seed and had to play Miami, it was like, congratulations, Miami, on the one seed. You have to play the Brooklyn Nets with a healthy Kyrie kd but anyway uh going over back to the west I, I agree with you on dallas right like they've really seemed that they figured out their rotations they've really buttoned up their defense dinwiddie has fit like a glove on that team you've got brunson playing at a high level Doncic just needs to be healthy man i i, I swear if he's really compromised it sounds like he's going to miss game one of their series that's a big loss but yeah if if they are right and he gets healthy there is no surprise to me that they make the Western Conference Finals. None. None at all. And But again, there's also no surprise that they lose those first two games and they're unable to come back from that hole. Right, of course. And that's why I, I continue to ride with Memphis because I know that with the rotation you know, shrinking a little bit and their head coach figuring out, hey, what matchups to play where, especially when you're playing the same team for you know, a week and a half, two weeks – but they have the guys to come in when they need them as reinforcements, and none of them have egos. And I think Triple J's defense is going to be a huge deal because he is capable of locking down the best player on the other team. And if Jaws healthy, even though they were 21 and 2 or 22 and 2 without him, I mean, my dear God, I don't know how you stop this team. Absolutely. So, with that being said, both of us have the Bucks still going to the finals. I have a finals rematch with Phoenix going the other way, and I have Phoenix winning it. I'm going to assume 
the way you're talking about Memphis, I you still have Memphis going to the finals? I'm not changing my mind, man. I have Memphis in the finals. Can I, I get Memphis a winner out of you? We've seen a lot of repeats in the NBA. I think we see another one. Nice. I think Milwaukee wins again. I yep. D- if that happens, does Giannis Antetokounmpo become a top 10 player ever? It's tough. To, you know what? No, I'm not even going to ask. That no, we're not so talking tough. that yet. It's so tough to crack. He's a top 20 player ever. But, but he will tough. He will have had He will have had two MVPs and two finals wins. Defensive player wins. of the year. Defensive player of the year. And if he wins, if he wins in the finals, I'm going to assume there's a high probability he wins the finals MVP. Yeah, I mean, if you have if you have a de- defensive player of the year, two regular season MVPs, and two Finals MVPs with championships, yeah, he has to be in that conversation. I'm sorry, I I, I don't know who you're taking out, and I'm happy I don't have to make that decision. But yeah, yeah, how, how I'm going to make you no? make that decision if things slow down. Okay, let's let's revisit this in June. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When it's just just golf and baseball. All right, there well, we that's go. that's the NBA playoffs for us. We're obviously going to talk more about it as it goes on. Um, we have a few more playing games, and then the, the real playoff season starts. Let's talk some baseball, man. We're a week in, and Sean, honestly, probably four or five of my best fantasy baseball players are already going to the IL. <laughs> that's not good. Who? <laughs> no. I mean... Two position players, I can't even remember who. Blake Snell, Lucas Giolito. I'm just, I'm fucking toast already. That's not good. No. You, you've, run, you've run so many championships and finals appearances with your fantasy football that this must be a kick in the dick to you, huh? No, it's tough, but, you know, I've already had multiple rules named against me where you can't trade pick oh, packages. Here we go. Here you can't trade. You can't trade multiple players for one player. So I'm gonna have to figure out a way to finesse it if the season goes away. Yeah. It's looking like, but I've got a chance. I've got a fantasy baseball championship ring on my finger as well. So people need to come <laughs> on my name with a little respect. So you're so you're saying that this is a conspiracy against you to make sure that you don't get another one on your fingers, huh? No, no, no. I mean, the baseball players are gonna get hurt. It is what it is, but. I mean, is there a little bit of a coup against me because I, I'm the greatest GM of all time? Yes. I believe hmm. that there is in the league. But it's just a bunch of crybabies. But, uh, you know, in, in fantasy football, if you don't like the league you're in, every person you know, aside from you, is doing a fantasy football league and you can get into another yeah. one. Baseball, once you, no get, once you get in a good baseball league, which I've been in this league since I was like a junior in high school, you have to stay in it because I'll never find a group of twelve guys that are willing to play fantasy no, baseball God, again. No. You know, so no, you you're stick you're, in it. Gra- you're you're grandfathered in, and I mean that literally. Like you are a grandfather in that in that <laughs> yeah. tri- in that in that league. So so good for you on that. But yeah, Tom, let's start with the locals, bro. Like obviously, we'll start with our Yankees. They're three and three, and they're playing Toronto right now. One nothing. Fourth game of the series. I'm not watching the game because I know you would mock me and, and chastise me if I was watching the game and not paying attention to the podcast. I actually, so. I actually told Michaela because Michaela is watching the game right now. As everyone knows, she's a big Yankees fan. And of course. She was like, oh, why do you have to do the pod so late? And I was like, Sean didn't tell me why, but he asked me to push it back to 10. I bet you that fucker's trying to watch the entire Yankee game before we record. Absolutely not. No, I had, a, I had a phone call scheduled before this, but that went away. 
Um, so that was fine. And it had nothing to do with you. That's a parent's phone call. And that always takes precedence. And if you have anything to say bad about that, never, you know, never. All right. There, there you go. But, um, no, nothing Yankees or one nothing blue Jays right now. Uh, Yankees one blue Jays zero. It is the end of the fourth inning going into the fifth Severino Severino did a classic Severino. I think it was in the, in the top of the third where it was a bases loaded kind of thing, but he got out of it. Um, Listen, uh, for me, we texted about it, the game that they lost. I predicted it, but it ended up being strikeout, strikeout, strikeout against Boston. This was the Monday night game, right? Yeah. Dude, like, I swear to God, if if you if it was a Yankees encore game from last year, I would have been (laughs) – or or if this – honestly, I can't tell the difference. Like no. if, if you told me, oh, that was a live game or, oh, this was, this is just a Yankees classic from last year or whatever. Like I, I wouldn't know the difference. So I have a lot to say, but I want you to continue to go before I go on a rant. If, if you, no, if go you ahead. have more to say. I mean, I pretty much, I, I was short and sweet and to the point. There's literally no fucking difference with this team and, and we're tempering expectations. I, I know you have a lot to say, but Let's not try and get the blood pressure too high, Sean, because remember the theme of the season, and now I'm going to let you go. No, this is not a high blood pressure situation. It's more actually low. Like, you might have to actually check my pulse at the end of this <laughs> rant because it's it might kill me. Tom, they constructed this roster where they have nine guys for eight spots, and I'm not talking about, like, good utility players. Like, they have nine everyday players for eight spots, which means that every single day a really good player who's used to playing every day is not going to play. And I didn't really think about that up until I was watching the games live, and I'm like— you saw DJ on the bench, right? Huh, DJ's going to sit today, huh? (laughs) Or, oh, Hicks actually had a good game, and he's sitting, huh? Or— well, I know Stanton's only going to play. I mean, Rizzo's the only one who's played every day, and they gave him a DH day. But like you know, he he's going to sit in the Baltimore series. And Connor Falefa has been horrendous to start, but I understand that he is. I I'm also Tom, and, and I do want to get your opinion on this before I continue to go. This is not the same situation as Didi. Didi was brought in to be the future shortstop at the Yankees. Connor Falefa is a stopgap, right? So why are we holding them to the same standard? Completely agree. Kiner Falefa, for me, it's like Ben Simmons coming back to the Nets. If he hits a... Oh. If, if, no, I mean in the sense that it's gravy. As long as as long as Kiner Falefa doesn't make any injury any errors or blunders or anything, if he hits a if he hits a number nine hitter home run, I'm like, whoa, holy shit, we got extra run today. It's not like Didi where I expect him to, to do something. Well, we didn't expect anything from Didi to start other than to just be competent, which he wasn't making errors, getting thrown out at first on pickoffs, you know, not hitting. I think he started like two for 32 or something like that. But Connor Fluff is not the same thing. And, and Oswaldo Peraza is ready, man. He's in AAA and he's raking. He's ready to come up. Connor Falefa should not be the roadblock to his progression. No, not at all. I know they think I, I know they think Volpe is the shortstop of the future, but if Volpe wasn't coming up, Peraza would be, and he's ready to go. I give it till Memorial Day. I think I think if Connor Falefa is not playing well and the Yankees are winning enough games, he's going to be given till Memorial Day, and then it's Peraza time. But I don't love the fact that the eight and nine hitters are basically automatic outs. 
maybe the seven through nine hitters are automatic outs on the night's Hicks plays. You know, Gallo is more of the same strikeout walk. He hasn't hit a home run yet. So two of the three results, you know, have happened and the good one, the one good one hasn't. Um, I think it's a, I think it's pretty much a lot of last year. I, I agree with you in totality. It's like watching Yankees encore from last year. Last night they were down three nothing. They came back with two solo home runs and and a nice little rally there by Donaldson, who I I know is going to help. We've talked about him, but overall, man, I don't feel any different about this team. It's still kind of the same underwhelming. Like, yeah, you're good but not great. You don't suck enough to make me hate you, but maybe I hate you more because you don't suck. Kind of team. Yeah, I would. Would you There's rather them feel. suck? Would you rather them suck? You think? It's such a hard question to ask because I love knowing that my team is at least going to be in it for the rest of the season. And baseball is such a marathon where it's like, it's so nice. And I remember net seasons, man, where it's like their season was over by the end of the first month. And it was just like, oh my dear God, if UConn's not good, I've got nothing till spring training. And now I'm hanging on the spring training games. Like, I love watching the Yankees. I want them to be good. I think this is better than sucking. I don't care what anybody says, but of course, you know, I know that they have a chance. They're probably a playoff team. But what do you think? Uh, would you rather them suck? Because I did hate those. We haven't had a year, even in their bad years. They weren't out of it in July. They might no. not have been a division championship team, but you could never say like, well, the season's over. Well, as a fan of... And, and you could say the same. As a fan of other teams that actually have sucked, Knicks, Nets, Giants, Jets. Giants, Jets, I would much rather them be where they are, where we can actually talk about them and be pissed off that they're not winning games because they should be, right? Yep, The other exactly. teams, it's just like, well, they, they, they are less talented, right? The Yankees are just talented enough to be where you feel like their expectations and their results should be better. But they're not so bad where you're like, yeah, of course this team won 84 games and finished in fourth. So I have a question for you from two players from last year that I'm just thinking about. Are you done with your – are you done with your – Yeah, I'm done. Beginning. All right. Miguel Andahar, is he just going to wither away? I don't think he's even a thought in the Yankees' minds. That's so yes, a shame. Um, but I guess he can't feel the lick, and his back kind of fell off after the injury. Um, what about Domingo Armand? Well, he's on the sixty-day IL with the shoulder injury, and <laughs> anybody that's known baseball and knows pitchers with shoulders, yeah, that could be done deal. So I'm not counting on him this whole year. But they they do have better depth, and we talked about this in our preview, bro. I mean, they have Garcia. Schmidt is doing, like, long relief now. He's pitched one game and looked pretty good. They have Garcia and Heal down in the minors. Um, and they have other guys like King and Schmidt up on the major league level who are capable to step in and start. So I do think they're better equipped. I agree. I uh, agree. To deal there. But, yeah, I you you can't count on Herman at this point. No, of course not. I was just curious as to what your thoughts were on him. Um Anything else on the Yankees? Uh, for me, I mean, I don't think this team is ever going to go into full small market rebuild mode. So There's no reason to because there's too much talent. No, and listen, it's it's early. We got to keep watching. 
I'm going to watch tonight after we get off of this podcast before I go to bed. Let's keep our eyes on the trade deadline. Absolutely. I mean, listen, can you be a prophet again? Like last year at this time, you were like, hey, Anthony Rizzo would be a great trade piece. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you got to give me a little he, more. He sure, you know what, Tom? He sure would be, but, you know, we need a lot to break right. And come July 31st, Anthony Rizzo was acquired by the New York Yankees. So do that again. I, I would really like that. You got to give me, you got to give me until, you know, you got to give me until a couple of weeks before the trade deadline. Right now for me, I got to see how the Rocky season goes, but Chris Bryant would be a hell of an outfielder. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're doing that after no. just signing him to a long-term deal. But let's talk New York Mets because they're they're your New York Mets. But, Tom, they've been getting thrown at, but they've won five out of seven games against division rivals. And I know Washington sucks, and I know Philly's not all that good, and they lost a blow-crushing game on Monday, but they came back and won the next few, you know, show Walter really has this team's back. I think they feel that they're riddled with injuries. I mean, McGill stepped up again the other night. There's a lot I just threw at you there, but what are your thoughts on your New York Mets? Because I think that this team is well positioned to go on a run. I know they got off to a hot start again. That's what they do, but this feels different to me. How about you? I think Pete Alonso just from the beginning of the year has really stepped up. Um, and I just, I think this, something feels different about this team this year. Agreed. So what about it? Talk to me. I, I just think with Buck being there, there's a, there's a, there's a togetherness, togetherness, there's a professionalism that this team has lacked since, I don't know what Willie Randolph was coaching this team with David Wright and Jose Reyes and Delgado and Beltran and all those guys when they almost went to the World Series, except uh, Yadier Molina sent them home, and as did uh, Wainwright on that breaking ball. Um, I, I just – and I think they're just – you know, every Thanks year – Thanks for bringing back horrendous memories to your Mets fans. Listen, I'm feeling them too because I was rooting for them back then too. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the truth. I mean, I've always been – you know, a lot of my family it's really members – really sad. Including my grandfather who I hold – you, know, you, you yell at everybody for being frauds. This is You are easily I, the I biggest not, fraud out of both of us. I am not a Mets fan. I root for the Mets. I'm sure there's teams that you root for more than no, others. Not in the – I mean, listen, I I have it's no not like problem the Yankees if and the Mets, Mets are do rivals. well, it's but like, I never want them to do well. Why? It has no – Because they – because they're not – because if, if they do well and the Yankees don't do well – they come out of the sewers or wherever they've come out from, from when they've sucked for so long, and they love to gloat. Uh, like, I, I rooted for them in 15, I can, I and they just were the them. nastiest fans and nastiest people. And I was like, dude, I'm rooting for you. I don't even bring the Yankees into this, and you're just making this impossible. So honestly, know. fuck that's, you. You're that's just a lose. little brother syndrome. I just laugh at that and sun them. It's not like I'm out here rooting for the Red Sox. I so cheer. would you root for the Gi- if the Giants didn't play the Patriots because that's a stupid argument. Obviously, you root for the Giants against the Patriots, mm-hmm. but if you if you play if the Giants played anybody else and the Jets were bad, are you rooting for the Giants to go on a run and win the Super Bowl? No, the Giants the Giants are different because they've won recently. In my opinion, this is how so I- you're rooting for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I'll root for the Nets. I want the uh, what? The only reason why I'm rooting against the Brooklyn Nets is because I don't want you to be happy. Well, that's not nice. And, and honestly, <laughs> out of all the people that you should 
be rooting for. It's me. But all right, fine. Now I know it's personal. Am and, I? And am I, I rooting? But the, I hope am... the Knicks. I hope the Knicks go into the dumpster. I hope that Julius <laughs> Randle continues to sign long-term deals. Dumpster, I hope bro. that Leon Rose doesn't do anything. You're just naming. You're just shouting out facts right now. You're not even making. But that's even not hoping. nice. Because why would you root? Honestly, though, I'm rooting. Like, I Sean, I was you only can't kidding. root for the Nets. I'm... Those guys scorned your team and didn't sign with you. You should hate the Nets. No, I. I... I have a, I have a, listen, Vince Carter was my favorite player of all time. I have a little thing for the Nets. Am I a Nets fan? Will you ever see me in Nets gear? Will you ever see me publicly talking about the Nets aside from on this platform? Because we talk about every team. No, but will I, if the Nets are playing, who are they playing? Atlanta or, or whoever. No, the Nets are playing Boston. Oh yeah. I'm, I'll, I'd rather the Nets win that series. Fuck Boston. All right. Well, that just goes to show how bad the Knicks are because there's no world in which you should be rooting for the Nets. Granted, the fact that the two players that are impacting the Nets' future didn't sign with your team. I and you know what? I Unless hate to say you hate this. your team that much. I hate to say this, but I don't fucking blame them. Honestly, I sure. hate the Knicks. I hate the Knicks. I hate them. <laughs> All right. I didn't mean to go into that, but anyway. So the Mets. You you like the fact that they got Buck. You like the fact that this team I just like has the a little bit more that they to made. them than last year. I just like the signings that they made. I think they're just more sure things this year. You're not signing a fucking ten year past his prime Jed Lowry. You're not you're not signing like everybody else's I don't want him anymore. They went out and got players. Eduardo Escobar, player. Starling Marte, they got in a trade player. Bassett, player. Scherzer. Do I have to even say anything? I mean, they went out and got true free agents, and they built around the talent that they already had. And you got to expect better years from Lindor, which we've and already McCann. seen, and Mo, and McCann, and McNeil. And no, you're right. I mean, listen, it, it's good for. I continue to say this, and, and please don't throw the "you live in Texas now" bullshit. They're local teams to me. They've always been my local team of for course. 29 years. They were my local teams, and I think it's better with all the New York radio and podcasts I listen to. It's better when both teams are good. I don't root for the Mets. I don't root for Mets fans in particular. If they were less annoying, I would have more intrigue in the team being good. But. Yeah, it, it, it's good, and I love the fact that they really take on the persona of their manager, dude. Like, this is why we wanted Buck so bad for our Yankees. Already, he's going out, and he's glaring. He's he's going out and benches clearing brawls, and he's like, stop hitting our guys. You have to love seeing that, right? Absolutely. It's it's Isn't it refreshing to just see somebody in the dugout with a pulse? Yes. I mean, Aaron Boone, it's like he wears that watch that you always see him wearing. Is that thing a Fitbit? Let me get your heart rate, bro. Is it even beating? (laughs) Seriously, I'm going to try and hack his Apple Watch and see if he even has a pulse. Well, you know, he – I'm probably – I said this to to my buddy earlier. Like, I'm not a – I'm a Boone defendant, but I'm not a Boone supporter. Does that make sense to you? I I am in the same boat as you because I mean at at one point I'm not his supporter because of all the things you said about Shell Walter where the team takes on your personality and he at the, at the end of the day every decision he can make he does but I am a I am a defender in the sense that Boone doesn't do really anything and all the decisions are made above him and and it's not really in his control. 
No, and not to you mention know, the we, team has won a lot of games under his regime. They've won a lot of games under him, and, and let's not, you know, that whole savages in the box thing. If that was any other manager, or especially Showalter, we'd be saying, "See, this is why we have him." But because it's Boone, it's like, oh well, whatever. But no, he, I like that, that was quote. the ra- like that, that was the rallying cry of 2019. After that, the Yankees went on an insane run, especially without a lot of their best players. You know, you had the Talkmans and Urshelas of the world, who nobody had ever heard of before, and they were playing good baseball and Cameron Maben and that, that was a huge year for him. So my always thing with Boone is like, Hey, if we admit what he is as a manager, it's, Hey, we, we're going to give him the necessary credit. We'll give him the necessary blame, but I don't think either of them are going to be the reasons why the Yankees lose or win. Nope. It's personnel and it's whoever actually put this team together. Okay. So, Tom, there are two baseball things I want to get your thoughts about, and we can wrap on baseball and then talk Masters to wrap up this podcast. Let's We've gone a little lengthy, but there's there's a lot to talk about, and obviously, you know, we we have harbored a lot of opinions over the week. So let's let's go here. The Giants had a player that bunted in a thirteen to two lead in the sixth inning, and Bob Melvin, the new manager of the San Diego Padres, went apoplectic about it and and scream and shouted. And then we had Clayton Kershaw, who got pulled yesterday before going into the eighth inning. Bless you. Thank um, you. I tried to sneeze into my arm, but clearly the mic picked it up. The mic picked it up. Um, we had Clayton Kershaw have 80 pitches after seven with a perfect game. Not a no-hitter, a perfect game, and he got pulled yesterday. I want you to take each of these individual situations one by one before I give my take. Um, just what did you think? Because I think they're both very interesting you know, microcosms is kind of where baseball's at right now. Um, I mean, what's the point of bunting in a thirteen to two game, really? I mean, I think it's I think it's silly. Uh, I I always laugh when these old guys are like, it's an unwritten rule and everything. For me, it's just like throw a fastball and see if the guy can hit it and and try and get your stats up. And if not, you fly out to the center fielder and whatever. It's stupid all around. That's my opinion on the first one. Go ahead. Okay, so my second one is Kershaw. Oh, I thought you were going to give me your, your opinion on the first. No, I'll, I'll give my I'll give mine after each of them. You Kershaw, talk about Kershaw is a much more complicated and tough situation because, and I was talking to my uncle about this, and we were laughing about it. But you know what? It it's so tough because. Listen, it's not like he's some young gun. It's not Michael Kopech or whatever, or some other guy who can throw a million innings. Not even that Kopech can. I think he's already had Tommy John surgery, and it's been a long recovery. I mean, could I have seen if – and I know he was only at, what, 70 pitches. Could I have seen if you left Kershaw in there, um, you know, him getting hurt? But also my thing is, like, if – if it was a if he didn't have a perfect game or or the situation was different and you thought Kershaw was the best guy to get the out i think you're going to let him go above that many pitches so for me i would have left him in there personally he wasn't anywhere near a high pitch count or anything like that if the pitch count got high and he got into a situation where if he's th- you know if the pitch count ever got that high it wouldn't be a perfect game anymore so we wouldn't really be talking about this i think you leave him in there 
Yeah, so... You know, this isn't a Johan Santana situation where the guy's got more pitches thrown for when he did it on the Mets than he has ever thrown before, and he was never the same since. I mean, he was well, at 70 also, pitches. Well, let's not forget the fact that that Mets situation was that was the first no-hitter in franchise history. Of course, so it of held course. a lot more merit than it just would have been a normal no-hitter. But let's start with the Giants player bunting. Um, you're up 13-2. to two, You're kicking ass. I just think there's no it's need for not- it. I don't think there's a need for it, but at the same time, I don't know if you're aware of this, but now there's two factors that go into a tiebreaker for an NL, for a team to get into the postseason. One is head-to-head. So most teams play each other 19 times, so you should get a head-to-head, but in the case that you play 18 times, you go to a tiebreaker, and that tiebreaker is not division or league wins. It's runs scored. So if you continue to win and score runs, that is a better chance for you to continue to go. And let me just finish my point real fast before you rebut. I, I think that we are in the point of why don't we just have a mercy rule? Because, Tom, how many times did we see this week position players pitching mm-hmm. in games? So, so, so if it's not okay to hit home runs against position players, which Tony LaRusso yelled at his own player about last year, that was and we're not stupid. allowed to bunt to score more runs and set up a situation in the sixth inning where there is now no longer a pitcher in the NL and there's DHs, and we saw the Phillies score five runs in one inning against the Mets. I know it's a different ballpark and all that stupid baseball nerd shit, but it's not as, it's not as a done deal as it used to be. And if you're playing where you need to score runs and you can hurt the other team's bullpen for the next day, fuck it. Be better. It's no different than, to me than, than teams scoring, you know, throwing for five touchdown passes in the first half and being told that they can't go out there and try to throw touchdown passes the next half. Like, do a better job stopping them. If you can't, that's on you. And maybe you're not a good team. I don't know. I'll finish that thought before I go into Kershaw. But what's your rebuttal on there? No rebuttal at all. Now that you've informed me, which I did not know of this new rule, score as many runs as you can. Don't leave anything in doubt. So there you go on that. And again, there's a DH in the NL now. So so leads are not as protected as they used to be. And I don't know if you've seen that San Diego lineup, but it's no joke. And if they went on a run where they scored seven or eight runs, you'd be screaming and yelling about why they didn't try to Antonio score Antonio LaRusso can fuck so, off. Yes. For sure. So let me go into Kershaw. This is a really hard topic for me because I see it from both ends. From one end, this guy battled arm injuries for years. He hasn't thrown more than like 60 pitches in a spring training game. He signed a late and he signed a one-year deal with the Dodgers to try to win a World Series. He had off-season surgery. It's 28 degrees in fucking Minnesota where they're pitching. He threw 80 pitches. You're killing them call of the day right like that's the smart thing to do you brought this guy back to be the clayton kershaw of old and come playoff time the other part of me is this time always screamed about during the during the stupid lockout and during all this bullshit was how to grow the game you're watching an iconic player have an iconic moment and an 
any other sport, you would have said, oh, my God, Kyrie's going for 70 tonight against Orlando. Holy shit. Or, you know, LeBron is going to have 40, 20, and 15 or anything like that, right? Clayton Kershaw has a chance for a perfect game. He's already thrown a no-hitter. This isn't a no-hitter. There's only been 23 perfect games in MLB history. He has a chance to do it. He's only at 80 pitches. Everybody would tune into your game because it's a day game, which no other sport has on the night of NBA play-in games that are going to draw huge audiences. This is a random game in April and an interleague game that means jack shit. We agree that the Dodgers are the prohibitive favorites to win the World Series. It doesn't matter, right? Agreed, yeah. And you just yank them. So you're taking every eyeball. All the bottom line on ESPN, Clayton Kershaw has no has perfect game through seven. Uh, MLB Network, Clayton Kershaw, we're going to tune in live. We're going to cut out our show or our feed or whatever game we're showing to give you this. And all of a sudden, he's yanked. I understand the rationale to do it as I laid out. It makes all the sense in the world. But you're also trying to, dro- to grow your game, and you're trying to bring in a new audience and if this is the mindset of every game that we're just going to bypass a chance at a moment so that a pitcher can be healthy for a potential World Series run that might not happen, oh, it sucks. So I know I just went really long there, it's, but I really try to present both sides. So so please go for, further on that. It's a, it's a terrible, tough position for Dave Roberts to be in because – you pulled the guy out of a perfect game, but if you make the other decision and he either doesn't get the perfect game or God forbid he gets hurt, then you're then we're talking about it as if, oh, you should have pulled him from the perfect game and we're having the opposite conversation. But I agree in a sense to grow the game, get some eyeballs on it. But at the end of the day, in that situation where Dave Roberts has already guaranteed that he's going to win the World Series, do you think he really cares about how cool no. of a moment it would be? No, and that's why I really wanted you to to go off of that before I finished my my conviction behind my thought, which was they made the right decision. Agreed. Which Agreed. sucks. It does. But it's, they made the right decision. It just because it's the right decision doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Exactly, man. So we have that, but other, otherwise, a really fun start to the baseball season. Um, Hunter Green's thrown 102 out of, out of the Cincinnati. I love him. Rotation. He was my number two rookie of the year pick. He might have should have moved him up to number one. God damn, does he look good. He needs to work on his control, but man, is he good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fun storylines, and, and we're very early into the season. We're going to track them all. But, Tom, this is your floor now. Um, Scotty Scheffler, my boy, he won the Masters. And uh, I really want you to give a really nice deep dive into how the Masters shaped out and, and every player that came out of it. I, I heard Tiger's going to play uh, St. Andrews in July, so we've got that to look forward to. But just wrap up uh, Augusta for us. I mean, it's just one of the greatest weekends, four days in sports. It's such a fun time watching every single shot, um, seeing how tough that course is. Um and uh, you know, for me, it's just Scotty can Scotty Scheffler, Scotty Cameron, um, great putter though. By the way, hell, it makes a hell of a putter. Scotty can't. Um, he uses a Scotty Cameron. Um, he just went out there and he took that tournament, and he is the best player in the world right now. And 
I love it because if you watch his swing, it doesn't look pretty. He brings that back foot around to, to create a little little balance in his swing, and he, he just went out there and dominated. Disappointing from JT, bad start, great finish. Disappointing from Dustin Johnson, great start, bad finish. Morikawa did not seem ready for any type of weather or whatnot, although he finished in the top five. Spieth didn't even make the cut. Extremely disappointing. My guy Cameron Smith finishing, I think, second or third. It, it was an awesome tournament. It really was. Was this more good Scotty or bad Cam? I mean, no, I think it was just electric Scotty. He just he did not make mistakes. The only mistakes he made were off the tee, and every single second shot from him pretty much was perfect. Let's go forward here. And not to mention his putting was unbelievable. Yeah, but that's what he does, man. That's what yeah. he does. That's that's his that's his bread and butter. If you get him into that routine, I mean, he's he's not going to miss on in his putting game. So, let's project forward. The the success he's had in the last 7 months, this guy is is just electric and he's a juggernaut right now. How do you see the rest of the majors shaping out? Are you are you taking him to win at least one more major out of the next three this year? Would you be surprised if he doesn't win at least one? Like, what are your thoughts on Scotty right now? No, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't win another one. This isn't – nobody is Tiger Woods. Nobody's going to hold the Tiger Slam where you hold all four majors at once. And not to mention, when Tiger did that, and this is no disrespect to Tiger – it's still he's still playing against professionals. The field is so much deeper. The talent is crazy. Um, I I I would be shocked if Scotty won another another major this year in a maze, to be honest. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, but you haven't won any other tournaments, I would assume. Yeah, I think he gets another one or two this year and maybe even a FedEx Cup. Where is the US Open this year before we go to the Open in July? I believe the U.S. Open is at the Country Club. Um, I mean, you have the PGA coming up as well. Um, I don't think Tiger will be playing either of those just because from what I've heard, they are at uh, extremely tough walks. Yeah, it sounds like Tiger's – he's already pretty much solidified that he's going to do St. Andrews. That's yep. his next turn. Yep. Um, the PGA Championship this year is at Harding Park. No, wait, that's 2020. What the fuck? Let me see. It says it's at it's at the Southern Hills. I'm sorry, which apparently twelve million dollar purse, nice. Which apparently is an <laughs> extremely tough course to walk. And then the U.S. Open is, um, I believe, at the Country Club. I'm gonna I'm gonna verify that for you. Um, I mean, for those, um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at um, guys like that can just put the ball wherever they want. Colin Morikawa is a guy. John Rahm. John Rahm as well. I don't know. John Rahm seems to. Uh, he's just. He There's been a little it. pessimism around him lately. I've heard. Yeah, it is at the Country Club, which is, it's in. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not in Pennsylvania. It's in Brookline, Massachusetts. Classic place. Classic place. Um, yeah. Shabazz Napier, by the way. So, Is that where he's from? Yep. 
Go UConn. Yeah, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at Colin Morkow, <laughs> and then obviously we're going back to the Open, which is at the old course. The players are going to – listen, it's the home of golf, but the players are going to be able to bully that place, and Tiger should have a good time there. Yeah, it's totally flat, which is why I know Tiger wants to play it, which is exciting. So we've got a few months before then. Admirable job by him, you know, obviously from somebody I mean, on just the outside walking. looking in. Did you, I mean, I'm sure you watched some of the Masters. He, it was just a struggle. Forget about the golf. For him just to even walk, you know, four rounds of golf. Tom, 7, I told you hours. I was going to hone in on it, and I did. Yeah. I watched a shit ton of this tournament, and it was – it was painful for me to watch a guy just, just walking like a human being. Um, and, you know, he gave everything he had into that Thursday round and Friday just to make the cut. Um, but, you know, I he mean, had for nothing him, left. You know he's in a lot of pain when he is, aside from Michael Jordan, the highest paid person at Nike and he's wearing foot joys. Can, yeah, well, for, for, for fucking sure. But, you know, this is also a guy we watched – play basically on one leg in the 2008 i think it was u.s open right yeah to, to win on one with with a complete acl tear like this is a guy that knows how to walk a tournament in excruciating pain but this was different because he almost lost that leg yeah so it, i mean it, it was it's incredible. it was admirable to, just to watch i mean i'll tell you what today i went to the park and and played frisbee with michaela and i had to have her stretch my shoulder out it was hurting like crazy just fucking throwing a frisbee <laughs> around and this guy almost loses his leg and I know. and he's out here walking well you don't have the trainers as as good as michaela is and potentially the people that you have in your gym if you're still on your gym grind by the way which you need to talk about it's been uh, a long couple weeks but i got to get back into it come monday yeah, see, there we go. But you you don't have you don't have the assets that Tiger has, so it, it's understandable that you know you're not going to get back into your best playing shape by the time he does. But still, it's still awesome to watch, and I, I really did love watching this tournament, and I had a great time watching Scotty. Like I said, I just threw his name in there because it wasn't even like I was picking him; it was more or less just like, hey, I know he's won a lot lately, and. He's just a guy, when I see his name, I'm like, oh, he has a chance. Uh, and he did. And and he won, and his putting is obviously superb. And I'm excited to see his trajectory because we've been teased like this before, right, Tom? Like, you're more studious about this than me. But, you know, we saw Rory in the early 2010s where it's was like, okay, he's he's taking over. And we, we saw Jordan Spieth win a Masters. I think he won two, right? And I was like, okay, he's taking over. Well, and yeah, they he won not. Jordan Spieth has got, I believe, three under his belt because he's got – He's got two masters and a and a US and a US Well, open, I said I two mas I said two masters, yes, I think. Yes. I don't think I said majors, but yeah. Um but yeah, I mean that's those are people that you expect to take the crown, right? And they haven't. So nobody's ever gonna be another tiger. I think please stop anointing the next guy that goes on a great run that and I think golf can do a better job of not uh, of making sure they don't do that. He's but actually only got one master, sorry. Jordan has one. He's got one Masters, one U.S. Open, and one Open. And he finished okay. second in a PGA. I mean, that's a pretty good run. So 2015, 2015, 2015, and 2017. Jeez, he was on a heater. He was really yeah, so looking I, like the next guy, huh? Everybody at that time, but that was after Rory, right, went on his prestigious run in the early 2010s. So yep. I, I think – I think we're all waiting for that next guy, but shit, man. I mean, Brooks has had his run, and we can't. And we can't be. We can't be expecting, you know. You can't. 
at this point. Expect somebody it's else to be It's just irresponsible to do that in all sports. But either way, great tournament. Can't wait for the next major. Obviously, with other tournaments in between this, you're going to be giving your, your foursomes. And maybe I'll jump on this, Tom. I, I might have to send you a couple bets for you to place because, as I've continually said, in Texas, we don't give women rights. We don't give anybody else rights. You can't smoke marijuana. You can't bet. But, you know, we let you do anything else. So. You want some guns? Oh, you got them. That's your place. You got a gas station nearby? You can probably find one. <laughs> well, this week we got the RBC Heritage uh, at Harbor Town. Lovely course. Um, Preview that I've seen. for us. Uh, listen, I think, I mean, Spieth got, off to, Spieth got off to a really good start. Cameron Young is leading the way. Connors had a hole-in-one today. There's one thing I'd like to see, and I need to see where he is on the leaderboard. Ricky Fowler is playing in this tournament, and I just so desperately want him to win to get that full tour status back and to get back into all the majors. But I just don't know if golf is his number one priority anymore. Talk about a name that's fallen off, huh? I mean, but has it, though? Because, Shauna, you watch... You would know better than me, but I have not heard of him well, in I mean, a while. No. When, you, when you talk about from an actual... When you talk about it from an actual on the on the course, I agree with you. He has fallen off. But, I mean, I, ooh, he's plus five. Not good. I don't think he's going to make the cut unless he has a round and a half tomorrow. But, I mean, from somebody who's still so popular... You ask a kid today, and Ricky Fowler is going to be a golfer that they know. Not to mention, if you watch any golf tournament, you're going to see Ricky Fowler in a commercial. But yeah, you see him even in non-golf tournaments. He he's doing stuff, but it's yeah. not what he was a couple of years ago. No, he has talk about falling off a cliff. I mean, he was you know top ten in the world for a while, and now he's probably outside of the top two hundred. That's sad. I hope he gets back to it because he was a really likable guy and somebody that was that had a lot of promise. But we'll see. You know, golf is a fickle sport. You know, you 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 see a lot of guys go from from number one to out of it, and a lot of guys that seemed like they were you know falling completely out of it back into the field and back into real competition. So, you know, that's that's why I rely on you because you're you're the one following this shit every week. Yes, sir. Well, you're getting into it a little more, and I love that. I'm excited for it. Just you, know, you got to give me a little credit. I'm kind of doing the college football version exactly. of you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is you know, in the fall, I'm 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 doing I'm I'm watching more college football for you. I'm following it more closely, and you're doing it for me for golf, and I love that for us. I think it just makes our podcast better. And Tom, the NFL draft is two weeks from today, which means we have Frenchie coming up soon. Frenchie will be on soon. We're going to have to coordinate that. I don't know, Sean, maybe a late night or, a, or an evening more like because i got to go to bed at some point, and Frenchie is a guy who likes to talk, but maybe an evening Easter pod, something like that. Uh, we'll have to figure it out. Get your Adderall fix. Make sure you get your <laughs> coffee. Uh, I'll make sure I do the same. Got a crack I will make sure plug. I'm prepared. <laughs> crack cocaine plug. Uh, hit me up, at Sorry Sports. <laughs> Yeah, we we don't endorse that kind of behavior, but if you want to go off the grid, go for it. We're trying to make a business here, buddy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, listen, he he give he talks a lot. He gives a lot of information, but this is shit compiled over one podcast that other experts give over a three month span. We don't bring him on periodically. Maybe next year we do, but for now, yep. we get him in one full pod. 
and he gives as good of information as anybody and he's done it for four years in a row. So um, I'm looking forward to him doing it again, especially when both the Jets and Giants have two top 10 picks. Absolutely. This year is bigger than any other year before over the last four years for us. It is, buddy. So let's call it a night. Everybody, have a great rest of your night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And, Tom, you and I will be back with Frenchie probably next. We have uh, a lot to cover with the NBA playoffs starting. MLB's in full swing, and the golf schedule is on deck. So let's keep it going. Tom, great talking to you. Everybody have a good night. (laughs) 